Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm Ben. We are joined today, as always, by our super producers. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by uh, Noel the Madman Brown and, of course, Dylan, nicknamed TBA Fagan. Yeah. Uh, so we have a interesting thing today because we're talking about the future. Yeah. Ten, well, specifically 10 years from now. Yes, specifically a decade hence. Yeah, yeah. We found this article, and it's called uh, it's called 15 New Cars and Trucks That Will Still Be Cool in 2027. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about brand new vehicles, brand new in 20, uh, 2017 that will still be cool in 10 years. And There's th- a caveat. Uh, there is a caveat. There's one rule to this list, and that is, well, I guess two rules. One is that it's a 2017 model year vehicle. One. Number two is that the cars have to be under $100,000 MSRP. And what do you think about that rule, Scott? I think it's a good rule to make because anything above $100,000 uh, – well, you said it best, Ben. What did you say? It's Anything above 100000 is arguably a work of art. So, you know, we could talk about uh, Bugattis all day, right? Yeah, what, or, $2.7 million. Right, right. And 10 years from now – that's still good. You know, that's that's still going to be an exotic high end vehicle. Well, of course, they're all going to be desirable because right. I mean, I think here's the way I've been trying to think about this. If you go back to cars that were built in 2007, mm-hmm. what would be cool right now? And and maybe even the the very best way to put the, you know to picture this is the way that the author of this article wrote this, and they said, well, what, you know, these are the cars that. You'll find yourself at 10 years from now, you know, late at night, maybe midnight, 2 a.m., going to find on eBay or, you know, Craigslist or any of those. You know, the ones that you're just kind of always, it's always in the back of your head that it's a cool vehicle. And, you know, it has been for the last 10 years, but now maybe it's to the point where, yeah, I need a a third vehicle, you know, like a fun vehicle for the weekend, or it could be a daily driver. I mean, we're not going to, you know, 
um, discount any of those either. We're going to say that this is open to anything, really, so any type of vehicle. There, there are cars, trucks, and SUVs on the list that we're going to cover today. Right. And then there are also a few that uh, I'd like to throw in at the end that are kind of my own submissions. And that's my question or my, uh, my challenge, I guess, for our listeners, mm. is to come up with something that we haven't covered in this podcast. So, yeah, unfortunately, you got to listen to the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many of you do that already, but uh, you got to listen from beginning to end. You know, listen to all the uh, examples that we have, and then maybe the even the ones that I throw in there, and then yeah, you know, come up with your own. And there's no wrong answer here. I mean, it's it's really it's all right. it's subjective, I guess. Yeah, it's a it's it's a matter of taste, perspective, and speculation. Really, the only the only rules for this game are, as Scott said, uh, the model year, this year, uh, and under a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. All right. So we've got a. a a, a short list here. It's 15. It doesn't sound like it's a short list, but it's uh, there's really not a lot written about each one. So we'll kind of plow through this pretty quickly. But um, <laughs> there's, some funny, foot. there's a little bit of funny math here at the bottom of this. Now, <laughs> just so that you're aware as we go through here. Um, okay, it says 15 new cars and trucks, right? Mm-hmm. That'll still be cool in 2027. Again, it's from Autoblog. You can check it out there if you want right. to follow, follow along with us. But at the bottom it says we came up with this list of 13. Well, that's right away. 13, that's strange. Um Eleven of those are cars, two of those are pickups, and two of those are SUVs. Now, if you if you're like a math scholar, which I, I would assume that a lot of our listeners are, those uh, last I think the proper term is math doctor. <laughs> math doctor. <laughs> the, then those last three numbers, if you can if you can add three numbers quickly, uh, you know, which I don't know how you could do that. I had a calculator here, but mm-hmm. eleven plus two plus two does not equal thirteen. So there's some confusion right there. Right? It's true. They must have been missing their abacus. But but the title is right. It's fifteen. Mm-hmm. But the thirteen is right. We'll we'll cover this as we go through. There's a there's a little bit of um, maybe product line sharing that uh, is is thrown in here too. Right. Uh, no spoilers. Let's jump in uh, immediately. So first up, we have the 2017 Alfa Romeo 4C. Oh, and I want to point out this isn't like a one two three list. So it's not like uh, here's you know number fifteen of the coolest. It's this is done alphabetically. Right, yeah, this is in order of alphabetical appearance. There's not a hierarchy of coolness. No, so this is uh that's why we're starting with alpha. But uh yeah. but the Alpha Romeo 4C, I completely agree with this one. I don't see how this one could not be cool in 10 years. It's cool right now. Yeah. I think this will be cool 20 years from now. It's it's sweet too. It's uh carbon fiber, rear drive of course, two seat, mid-engine. I it This is amazing. This is an amazing one, and I'm really glad the list starts here. Uh, 237 horsepower, turbocharged, uh, four-cylinder, and super light. So it hits 60, zero to 60 in just over four seconds. Pretty fast. Yeah, pretty fast. Not not exceptionally fast. Not but amazing. You know what? That's got to feel pretty strong when you're uh, when you're in that little tiny vehicle. It's yeah. it's one of those that they describe with go kart handling as they always love to yeah, do, yeah, right? Yeah. But the MSRP on this one is just right around fifty six thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So it's uh, it's well within the range of, of safe. And uh, again, just I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with these, but uh, I've only seen a couple of them on the road so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a taste here in the United States, anyways, of Alfa Romeo during the Super Bowl because uh, <laughs> right. there were. Uh, there was a huge um, push, I guess, towards Alfa, towards Alfa Romeo uh, vehicles in the commercials. I guess maybe mm-hmm. just and nothing really overdone. It wasn't like a Super Bowl esque type commercial of the past, you know, where it was specifically for that. I think this is the one they just want to um, introduce the United States market or reintroduce, I should say, right. to Alfa again. And they did so with our number two. Well, I shouldn't say number two, but our second one on the list, anyways, is also an Alfa, and this is the uh, the four door sedan. 
Yes, Scott. It's another Alpha. It's the 2017 Alpha Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio. Very nice. Good pronunciation. I don't know if I could have done as well. I have to practice before I say fettuccine. <laughs> now, the, uh, now, I'm, I'm going to try to have to say this one or two times, I'm sure, during this, but uh, the Quadrifoglio is the uh, is like the top-end version of, of this vehicle. Uh, mm. You can have other, there's other models available in the... Uh, um, in the sedan, I suppose, and this is like the the uh, the top end, um, zero to sixty again under four seconds, but it's a bigger car, it's a heavier car, right? Um, so it's a stronger engine. It has a five hundred and five horsepower twin turbocharged two point nine liter V six. This is a Ferrari derived engine, by the way. Mm. So it's strong. I mean, it's got uh, it's got good uh, good genes, good uh, good bones, I guess, behind <laughs> it, right? Yes. Um, it's rear wheel drive. It's of course four doors. We mentioned. Uh, lots of carbon fiber bodywork. There's a, you know, there's, I think the roof is carbon fiber even. It has active aerodynamics, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, the MSRP on this one is right around $72,000. So it's kind of expensive. Not the most expensive one on our list, which we'll get to much, much later in the list, but, um. Right. Still under 100000 Scott, we should also point out that the, the base model, the no bells, no whistles model, it puts you right at 38000 So there's a wide range here between. Oh. All the bells and whistles and the basics. That's a huge range, right? Yeah, I, I yeah. had no idea that that one was so much more expensive. But thirty-seven um, nine ninety-five to uh, a cool what? What would we call it? Seventy-two large. Seventy-two large. Yeah, I guess <laughs> so. And you know, you can get carbon ceramic brakes. You, you yeah. can you can really make a lot of updates or upgrades rather to this mm-hmm. one. I should say um, zero to sixty times. I don't even know if we even mentioned that three point eight seconds. Yes, we, said, we didn't get specific, but yeah, 3.8. 3.8, not bad. A top speed of around 191. I don't know what good that would do you on the highway, but um, still, before, you know it's there. Yeah, before we move on, though, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hold up the train too long, but mm-hmm. before we move on, we're talking about cars that will still be cool in 2027, and we are at a crossroads, my friend, with the the boom in technology, on automotive technology on almost every front. Material science, right? Fuel efficiency, uh, engine performance. All of these um, amazing things are right on the cusp of occurring, right? Yeah. And smarter yeah. vehicles, hopefully smarter drivers, but, you know, who can predict that? Yeah. Uh, it, I think this means that the technology in a lot of these vehicles in a decade is going to be antiquated. Uh, you know what? Here's one thing that we hadn't really thought about, and What's maybe it? this is where you're going with this. Mm. None of the cars on our list are really like uh, you know a- autonomous vehicles, right? Or ones that we think of as autonomous right now. You know, the ones mm-hmm. that have the systems that are there that they can't quite call autonomous yet. Yeah, like parallel parking assistance and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. these are these are like a lot of these are drivers' cars or drivers' trucks, really. Yeah, you have to do the work, which we are fans of. But the, the what I'm saying is, and and you're right. What I'm saying is that. When we make this judgment, the reason there's so much perspective involved is because ultimately we're making an aesthetic judgment rather than a, a performance. It's uh, performance judgment is almost impossible. The cars of 2027 are going to be vastly different. I won't say superior, but vastly different. Likely superior. In some regards, right? Sure. Yeah. But but consider for instance the consider the way that classic cars from the 50s and 60s still hold up they hold up they're not the fastest they're definitely not the most nimble mm-hmm. but aesthetically in many ways 
well, in my opinion, they are superior. You know, yeah. So well, and then there's the other side that you know the resto modders that that you know mm-hmm. say that well, I'm building a better version of what they built back in the 1950s or in the 1960s. Yeah. And so there's that angle to it as well. I mean, yeah, again, it's it's hard to say that, you know, these cars are going to stand the test of time, but that's the whole thing. This whole list is like, well, it's all speculation. It's all wild speculation. Yes, it's all wild speculation. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The, the manifesto about aesthetics being key here, I, the reason I hop on the soapbox is because I don't like the front of the I don't like the front of this Alfa Romeo. Oh, really? I think it's going to look dated. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you're talking about the um, yeah, really? the no Giulia. Yeah. But the, well, that's a classic Alfa Romeo look. I mean, it's the shape. It, they're trying to you know hold on to that heritage, I guess, because you know uh, there was a time when Alfa Romeos were sold here in the United States, right. and then it went away for a while. And now it's back again. So this is kind of like the reintroduction of the of the brand. If you were able to see the front of the Alfa Romeo 4C, you would see the same styling cues on that one as right. you do on the sedan. You know, the two seater versus the four seater, mm-hmm. or I don't know if it's five seat, maybe, but. Um, Anyways, you'll you'll see that brand um, heritage brought forth into that as well. So I don't know. I, I think that the people that appreciate the brand, you know, the Alpha brand, will like the look of that. Now, a lot of people sa- have said the same thing about the Audi um, real wide open front grill. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going way way back in their in their history. But people that knew the brand or at least knew of the brand uh, from back then. Uh, appreciated that you know it's kind of a it, it harkens back to the older days it's a callback it's tradition yeah right? it is I, it right. honors a legacy in some ways yeah and maybe that will be phased out eventually i mean likely that it will but uh but i don't know about alpha getting rid of that that signature shape of the front end it's kind of like the dodge crosshairs you know yeah the, you know, like the, the yeah. dodge front end has mm-hmm. that, that grill you're right it's really distinctive and bmw does the same thing i think they all do but if you think that uh the alpha brand you think it's going to look dated in 10 years i i can see what you're saying i mean there's it's, a, it's there's either going to it's either going to look dated or it's going to double down on that that honoring legacy yeah. approach. Um, and and you're absolutely right. That's one of the <clears throat> that's one of the strangest things. I was talking to a friend of mine's kid, and she asked me um, what my favorite car face was, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What?" And you know, sometimes kids kids can be weird right because yeah. i think before kids get to the double digits they're smarter and more honest than most adults yeah and it's like what do you mean car faces this was this was at a barbecue thing and uh and she's like well you know like cars have faces and i think some cars are ugly and i think some cars are like have really good faces well some look like they're smiling some look like they're angry right yeah some look confused yeah, and this yeah. kid schooled me on her <laughs> like her favorite uh, favorite car faces and her least favorites. And do you uh, happen to remember one of her picks? Because I'd be, I'd be interested what that would be. She liked BMWs actually. Really? Okay. Which is why this brings brings it to mind because um, our next item on the list is the 2017 BMW M2. Yeah, the M2. Now, this is, of course, rear-wheel drive, and uh, it's a turbocharged, and they say track-ready, high-performance luxury coupe, as you would imagine. Um, again, twin-turbocharged, all-aluminum, 3-liter, inline-six with a 7,000 RPM redline mm-hmm. that makes 365 horsepower, and then 0 to 60 is pretty fast as well. 0 to 60 in just 4.2 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, a six-speed manual transmission is standard, and uh, they say, of course, that's the one to get. The MSRP <laughs> is uh, right, right in the middle again. Yep, yeah, right in the middle. It's uh, it's going to be about fifty-two grand. Yep. fifty-two large. Fifty-two I, large. Yeah, I that is say large. large yeah. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's a that's that's a good deal. And the 
the uh, performance uh, on this thing is. You say fifty-two is a good deal. Yeah, because I'm never going to buy one. <laughs> so of course right, I can say that. You must be in a different world than me. I don't, I don't know, but uh, fifty-two that still seems like a lot of money for for a. Well, you know what though? It's a BMW. It, it's a if they say it's a track ready, high performance luxury coupe, then fifty-two is a deal. That's uh, right. That's still a lot of cabbage, no matter how you look at it. Yeah, that's a lot of scratch. That's but that's the key, though, man. Is track ready? Well, you yeah. Know? So that that alone. They call it BMW's purest modern day sports car. They do look cool. They look very cool. So if you haven't uh, if you haven't cool. checked out the 2017 model of the M2, take a look online. You'll see, uh, if you'll you're, see lots of examples. Yeah, if you're sitting around going, "What am I going to do with this fifty one thousand seven hundred dollars?" <laughs> I'm so tired of having it around. Yeah, that's the eternal question, <laughs> yes. isn't it? Yes, it really specifically is. That about it, it really right. is. All right. All right, let's move on to the next one on our list here. We're, we're chewing through these pretty quick, really. Yeah, yeah. All right, so this is the 2017 Chevrolet Camaro ZL1, specifically the ZL1, because this is the lighter version of the Camaro. Mm-hmm. Um, still has the supercharged 6.2-liter V8 that makes 650 horsepower and 650 pound-feet of torque. This one is going to look like a classic. This is see. This is what I'm talking about with the aesthetic stuff, man. This this one, it's it's low slung. It's got this huge mean hood, uh, and it's uh, well, sounds great. It sounds great. That's a very good point. Uh, it it also historically at this point is the most powerful Camaro. Oh, well, I can, yeah, I can see that. And you know what? This is the 50th uh, anniversary of the Camaro. Mm-hmm. I have seen – oh, I mean, I, I meant to tell you this. I was driving back from Florida about a week ago, and on the road, you know, a vehicle passed us. Not very fast, just, you know, slow pass in the left lane. And I thought, it looks a little bit different than a regular Camaro, like a standard Camaro. There's something a little different. And I thought, well, it's got to be a new model. And, mm-hmm. you know, it has to be a 2017. And sure enough, it was. Mm-hmm. But as it rode by, it had um, in script on the, uh, on the fender, kind of behind the, uh, the front wheel, uh, it said 50. Like, it spelled out the word 50. Oh. And it's a 50th anniversary edition of the Camaro. And I don't know if there's any special body work that goes along with that or right. if it's just that, you know, that's what the 2017 is going to look like. And I haven't really seen or mm. noticed one yet. Mm. But um, anyways, I thought that 50th anniversary edition was kind of cool looking. And I, I guess the ZL1, of course, it's it's cool looking as well. Um, you know, it's got the uh, – it's kind of got a unique hood to it as well. Um, six-speed manual transmission with active rev matching, which is yeah. standard, of course. And, oh, if you want, you can get a 10-speed automatic, but I don't recommend that um, just because I'm not a fan of these. These, uh, You know what? Okay, we have to take a, a tiny sidebar here right in the middle of this one, or we can wait until the end of it. How Let's about do it now. Oh, let, right now. I'm a little bit tired of these transmissions that have 8, 9, 10 gears, and I'll, mm-hmm. uh, the automatic transmissions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason is because I find that they're not as – comfortable to drive as you would think that they would be. They're constantly trying to find the right gear, yeah, and you feel all that shifting. And I know it should be more subtle than it is, but you feel it. You still feel mm. the thing downshifting, upshifting, and it's not it's not the driving experience they had even five years ago in cars. It's a little different now. Totally agree, because the idea of the electronic adaptation there uh, is the, what we're talking about is lag, right? It's not road responsive. So yeah. the the while while it is true that these these systems can you know be optimized for efficiency or optimized for performance etc mm-hmm. uh i feel like they're always going to be better 
than a human driver at optimizing for efficiency. Oh, sure. So if you select uh, S for sport mode or something, it's going to shift different than it does if you're in just drive where it's trying to uh, create the best fuel economy. Right. So fuel economy, the vehicle, like we're in a John Henry moment, right? Mm -hmm. So right now where we're at, 2017, fuel economy, driving for economy is probably going to be the domain of the vehicle, the demand of the system. The robot will do better at driving for economy. Sure, and that's where you get your EPA numbers. Yep, exactly. When it comes to driving for performance in typical like production cars, I still think a driver with control of a manual transmission is I, I still think they're better. I think that's our John Henry. Absolutely. It's better left to the human to decide when to shift gears at that point. I Big, think and that's yeah. why that's why I feel that you're better off, you know, with this uh with the six speed manual transmission in this one versus the ten speed automatic. And I know there's gonna be arguments back and forth like well, you don't have to take your hands off the wheel to uh to do that. Sure. Um, or just ease of use, you know, around town or whatever. There's a lot of uh pros and cons for both. I understand modern transmissions automatic trans- transmissions can be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can also be pretty bad, and I've I've experienced both. You know, I've had some pretty good. I've driven some pretty good ones that have you know, multi gears. I mean, maybe up to you know six, seven, eight, maybe. Mm-hmm. But then when you get up to like eight, nine, ten, uh, it's just a, it's a different experience. Like climbing a hill, you really feel it. If you're if you're yeah. um yeah you know decelerating down a hill without your foot on the gas, you're going to feel like a little bit of weirdness. Like it's going to feel like it's accelerating from underneath you when you're not touching anything. Excellent um, example. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Excellent example. Let's imagine a road, and this is a, a pretty common thing here in the States, where the speed limit is, say, 55. Okay. But it's a road that still has stoplights. So you're really going to feel the um, the searching uh, the searching aspect, the constant like shift up, shift down in, in, in any, uh, 10 speed automatic transmission because you will be accelerating and decelerating sometimes, constantly. Yeah, sometimes yeah. hard. You yeah, know, sometimes, sometimes hard. Hard acceleration, sometimes sure. hard deceleration. And, and yeah, you feel all that. And I know that engineers do their best to dial out that and, you know, there are, um, multi clutch transmissions that, yeah. you know, reduce all that and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, I'm telling you, if you haven't driven a modern vehicle with, you know, again, eight, nine, or ten gears, you feel it. You really do feel it. It's, it's. You would think that it would be smoother. There's more to choose from, and mm-hmm. it's easier to make those transitions. And you know, but it just doesn't work out that way. You feel, you still feel those transitions. So in ten years from now, mm-hmm. perhaps reviewers will say that this Camaro, uh, the the milestone mid-century Camaro, mm-hmm. is, or the excuse me, the the 50-year Camaro. Uh, they're going to say that the ZL1 is uh, beautiful despite its transmission. Well, if you choose the automatic. If you, if choose, you the choose the automatic. The manual trans. Again we're, we're, again, we're playing favorites here. Some people may love <laughs> the automatic and say, that's the one for me. That's, uh, you know, you're completely wrong with the with the. You six. think so? Uh, there's a possible. Sure, why not? I mean, everybody's got their own viewpoint on this thing, yeah? Uh, okay. I, I think so. All right. Maybe not our audience. Maybe our audience is more <laughs> towards, you know, the manual. They want to be in control, right? And, uh, you know, I don't know which version of this they tested here, but I would guess it's the manual transmission. But yeah. 60, 60 miles per hour comes about in about 3.5 seconds. So it's pretty quick. Quarter mile times are somewhere in the 11s. Of course, it's rear-wheel drive. Um, I don't know. It's just a lot of power. And the the, uh, the MSRP on this, right around $61,000. Not bad for a ZL1 uh, Camaro, rather. So if you're listening to this podcast 
to distract yourself from the constant problem of having $62,000 that you don't know <laughs> what to do with. Again, with this, with the, uh, you got extra money in your account then. There's something going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I've got series of, uh, a series of side jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to expand on right now? Oh man, uh we'll you know what? Let's get back to it later in the show because we're continuing on the list with something a little bit different after a word from our sponsor. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. And uh, all right. So you said there's something a little bit different on the list here. And uh, and you're absolutely right. We're, we're moving on to the first truck on our list. Yeah. Now, this is the 2017 Chevrolet Colorado ZR2. So in particular, the ZR2 model. Which is got to be surprising for a lot of people, right? Yeah. Because when, when we talk about we're, – we're talking about ultimately aesthetics, how one of the only things that anybody not from 20 – 27 can predict or can base our speculation on will be aesthetics. A lot of the technology is going to be um, a lot of the technology is is going to be like classic is the best way to say it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I look back though and I think 
Uh, there's not a lot of trucks that aren't really cool. You know, when you look back at just about any time frame, I mean, look yeah. back 10 years from now. Oh, yeah. And, and trucks from 2007 were cool then. Uh, you know, trucks trucks from, uh, you know, 1997 are still cool. Mm-hmm. And go all the way back as far as you want, 1917 if you want to. Trucks were still cool. Pickup trucks are awesome. Yeah, they really are. And so, uh, you know, putting these trucks on here, it's got to be something really special, something that stands mm-hmm. out, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, f- for this list in particular. Understanding that, that most trucks in general are pretty cool anyways. But uh, this is a – the ZR2 Colorado package is an off-road package. Um, so it has, you know, this real tall, long travel suspension for off-road capability. And, of course, it has, you know, a, a wider stance, I guess, a, a tougher stance if you want to call it that. Yeah, yeah. Um, wheel, wear, wheel well flares. That's hard to say. Wheel well flares. Rural Jura. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, it has, like, a blacked-out hood the dome that kind of looks like it came from the vehicle we just talked about, the Camaro parts mm-hmm. bin. I understand that completely. When you look at it, you'll understand that does look like a Camaro hood on that thing. Yeah. Um of course, it's got the spare tire thrown in the bed, just like the uh, you know the Baja 1000 trucks do. That's kind of a cool touch. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot going for this thing. It's got a it's got a pretty nice engine as well. Yeah, um, it's strong, but it's not overly strong, I guess. Yeah, 306 horsepower, 3.6 liter V6, or you can go diesel. Yeah, 2.8 liter, right? Yeah. So a tur- oh, you can get a turbo diesel. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, ugh, it's got an eight speed automatic, which we just spent a long time <laughs> slamming, which we probably shouldn't have. But this is a uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, in this case, is, is it – I don't know, Ben. No regrets. Well, no regrets. Yeah, we should just move on. I mean, it, so it has an eight-speed automatic. We'll overlook that because this is a cool truck. How about in, that? In 2027, uh, people will be baffled that uh, you were able to drive these on your own. I, I have a feeling. You know, I need to look this up. I'm going to have to check okay. on this model, but I would bet there's a manual version of this as well. I think that maybe they're saying that with that 2.8-liter turbo diesel, you get the 8-speed automatic. Yeah, maybe that's the case. There's a, yeah, there is a 6-speed manual. Oh, and, um, that, and that probably goes with the uh, with the 3.6-liter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, V6. All right, so the MSRP on this one, it's about $41,000. Um kind of low on our list as far as the prices go so far. There's going to be a couple that that, uh, that beat that, though. Yeah. <laughs> there are. Uh, but this is not one. No. The next one is not this, one. This is a jump up, but it's, again, not the most expensive on our list. And I'm Still not. I'm surprised by this. I thought this would be one of the more expensive ones on the list. This is, uh, this is actually not bad news, because think about depreciation and then 10 years from now, what this might be valued at. Yeah. And, you know, now that I've said the word depreciation, I think we should probably talk about that for just one second, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so the, the point was made early on in this article, right up front, uh, that the cars aren't, you know, that we're talking about aren't necessarily the ones that are going to be worth a fortune, the ones that uh, that do depreciate, that have, mm-hmm. you know, some mm-hmm. some value chopped off the top immediately the first year or the first time you drive off the dealer lot. So sure. these are the ones, again, that, that are going to be cool in 10 years, but you know, maybe they're not, you know, the, the high dollar vehicle that they are today. And that's part of the appeal of these things is that, you know, in 10 years, these kind of become affordable to just, I want to say everybody, but not everybody. You know, it's it's more affordable to more people. Yeah. And this is one. This is the 2017 Chevrolet Corvette Grand Sport. Now, Ooh. they chose the Grand Sport. Mm-hmm. They didn't go with the Z06. Right. Although, if you're if you pay careful attention to this, the Grand Sport essentially has the Z06 body. It looks like the Z06. Yeah, but it's like it, it it's possessed by a different engine. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I guess so. I mean, this one has a 460 horsepower naturally aspirated 6.2 liter LT4 V8 and this is the same engine that comes in the entry level Stingray. Right. And I got to say 
I really like this one. I really do too. I feel like this, I feel like not just 10 years from now, but four decades from now. Yeah. This, this car is going to be looked at the same way people look at those classic cherry Cadillacs and stuff. Oh yeah. Or, or again, Corvettes from four decades ago. Or Corvettes from four decades. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you want to, if you want to put it that way, because (laughs) this one, I mean, again, I, I feel like the body style on this, they're, they're, Probably spot on with this one because if mm. they if they chose the Z06, the price is way higher. Yeah. The engine is a, you know stronger engine. I understand all that. Sure. There's a, maybe there's some more problems with it. I don't know. Um, but but this one, if you if you look at it as far as the, you know aesthetics, the way the way it looks on the road, the way it performs, because it still does have that strong 6.2 liter V8. Yeah. Um, it, they they say it's the perfect combination of style, performance, and daily drivability and price. Uh, and you can get it in a, co- a Cooper convertible. Um, I personally prefer the coupe. I know you they show the, com- the coupe? well the convertible shown here in the uh, in the the article, but I, I've I've just always been a coupe over convertible person. Yeah, you're not really a convertible guy. No, and like in ninety nine percent of the cases, or ninety I should say, yeah, ninety nine percent of the cases, I'd say I'm I'm coupe over convertible. So I I just want to ask, um, did do you have a reason for it? Yeah. Is it is it just more moving parts or the fact that convertibles inevitably end up breaking well there's that too but i i I feel like it doesn't have the uh it seems like the convertible never has the exact same roof line as the coupe does and the coupe always has is like the more refined slick version of that vehicle and when Mm -hmm. you put the convertible top on it it just becomes kind of like uh it looks like they took something out of the parts bin and put it on every time it seems (laughs) like there's 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 very few times when i feel like the the convertible top does the v- the body justice? Well, what about what about hardtop convertibles? I love those. I really do. I like when they throw a hardtop on. And I don't. Yeah. And again, it's probably the <laughs> maybe it's just that that hard line versus the cloth. You know, because yeah. the cloth looks kind of out of place there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or vinyl or whatever it is. Uh-huh. Uh, but what about you? Do you like convertibles over over coupes in most cases? Or what about in this one in particular? Oh, uh, in this one in particular, um, I got to tell you, I'm more. I'm I'm more of a coupe person, and that's that's nothing against convertibles. It's it's something we've talked about in the past on the show, which is my my theory, which unfortunately got proven true quite recently in in my uh, in my personal auto life. My theory is that more moving parts equal more opportunities for something to go wrong. I like I, I'm all for ingenuity, and we realize that the key to effective design in ingenuity is is defined as um, the simplest answer to to a problem or a question. Yeah. So the simplest answer to the inevitable problems that arrive when we create convertible systems, which are by the way amazing and aesthetically, I'm a million percent behind them. But having those moving parts uh, almost always means that it becomes a problem. It becomes a repair that has to be accomplished. So uh, while I love seeing convertibles, uh, well, yes, yes, everybody who's driving one and listening right now, it looks so friggin' cool at a stoplight when someone, like, takes the top down. That's amazing. I feel like I'm watching a movie. But as far as me owning one, nah, yeah, no, not, not for you. So I, don't, I guess boiling this down, you're saying that, uh, and I don't, 
maybe we won't go into your specific case oh, example yeah, yeah. right now, but maybe later we will. Sure, sure. During the nuts and bolts or something. Yeah, maybe. yeah. But um, so you're saying that the the simplest standard drive line is a lot simpler than the simplest hybrid drive line, maybe. Absolutely. Okay, so I Absolutely. understand. So, so they all, they, even if even if it is the simplest example, you're adding technology to something, and so the simplest version of that is still going to be more complex than the version that you had prior to that. Right. That's one of the reasons, and I know this is a little off topic. I won't. We won't spend too much time on it, but that's one of the reasons that uh, classic American cars in Cuba have persisted for so long, because these are simplified mechanical um, processes, right? So there's not some sort of black box hybrid thing that you have to take to the dealer. uh, And these are not cars with planned obsolescence baked in. These are things that if you fix them and if you practice regular maintenance, just basic maintenance, they can last. It's a straightforward mechanical fix. Right. In in every case, really. It's from a time when – it's from a time where – the average consumer was allowed to repair something instead of being forced to buy a new thing. And I loved seeing the examples of the ingenuity that's put in place there. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, wooden parts to replace metal parts, you know, in some cases. And they work. And they work. Yeah, they work perfectly well. But, you know, the wood wears out a little faster. You have to replace it again. But no yeah. problem because they can do that. And so, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I was I'm sorry. I was rambling about this. But, yes, uh, my my short answer that came far too late is coops. Coops, okay, coops. So we're both on. Uh, Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> we're both on the side of coops, and and the MSRP on this one, by the way. Yeah. Uh, since we've talked about price, you know, between the Z06 sure, and sure. this, for the uh, for the Grand Sport for 2017, the MSRP is sixty five thousand four hundred and fifty dollars. So that's eh, kind of on the high side, but again, not the uh, not the most expensive on our Under list. Under hundred grand. And moving on, we've got uh, here's one of the ones that throws off the math in this whole thing. Oh, yes, the two 2017 Dodge Challenger and Charger Hellcat. Yeah, now essentially, mechanically, these cars are the same, but the bodies, as you know, are different. Right. So we're talking about the Hellcat versions, of course. These are the uh, supercharged 6.2-liter V8s that both make 707 horsepower. <sighs> yeah, very strong. The most powerful American cars ever. They're essentially, as I said, the same vehicles mechanically. They're both rear-wheel drive cars that you can drive every single day if you want to. Right. The main difference being that the Charger has four doors. The Challenger has two doors. Which um, makes the Charger more of a family-friendly car. <laughs> yeah, you, you know call. what I mean? Well, yeah, okay. So that's the one That's the one you can talk the rest of the family into agreeing to make a uh, daily driver. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's a, that's probably a better way to say it. Is that yeah? I mean, we can take the kids. We can go to the grocery store and actually bring the groceries back with yep. us because we have a trunk. Really fast. <laughs> really, really fast. Yes. Yeah, tires smoking the entire way. All right. So I love that they say it defines <laughs> cool dad. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I guess it does. Yeah, right. And of course, you know, it's got the large trunk to go along with it, as you said, a back seat, of course, mm-hmm. and the Challenger. Is available the Challenger if you want to get that one. It's got a six-speed manual transmission, which, as you know, we're fans of. So, yeah. um, for me, the pick out of these two would be the the Challenger. But then again, maybe that's not practical for everybody. Um, but here's the weird thing for me, though. I didn't know this. the The Challenger is less than the Charger, which seems backwards to me. Now, usually mm-hmm. the, uh, the the sportier version, you know, the the two door uh, the two door coupe version is going to be a little bit more expensive, I guess, than the sedan in most cases, uh, because that's it, for a lot of people that's the more desirable one, right? Right. It, for and I don't know what's going on here. Maybe it's just because there's more material or something. I don't know exactly why <laughs> this is, but um, it is more expensive to buy the the Charger than it is the Challenger. So the Charger is 
$65,945. The Challenger is $62,495. Yeah, it's weird. Do you feel like you see more Challengers or Chargers on the road? I would say that I see – well, not Hellcats. I right. mean, that's the difference. But, yeah, I, but I do yeah. – I feel around town here, mm-hmm. I see more Challengers on the road than I do Chargers on the road. It seems like Chargers are, are police cars around here in Georgia. <laughs> You're not wrong, man. No, there's a lot of them. State troopers have, uh, have yeah. Challengers. Yeah. And that's a – I'm sorry, Chargers. I keep getting these mixed up. Chargers. The Challengers are the ones that I see around town a lot. Like you know, individuals drive. I feel two-door. like I feel like I see more LEO um, Challengers and more civilian Chargers. Hmm. And maybe it's just because of the differing areas of, of town that we're in. Could you be know? you. Li- yeah, you live in like the downtown area. I live out in the suburbs north yeah. of here. Yeah, I live uh, in the sketchy part of the city. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that. But it's That's true, right. dude. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so so we we see different vehicles on the road, but uh, right. I, I guess that uh, these are probably an equal distribution around the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, people and, are familiar with them, anyways. and I feel like they're uh, they're pretty common in Atlanta. Well, here's one that's not common. And this is the next one, and this one I have yet to see one on the road. And if I have, I'm it's news to me. Maybe it wasn't you know really showing off or something. But uh, the 2017 Ford Focus RS, yeah, great pick. Yeah, great hot hatch. Pitch. Yeah, hot hatch, and it's $36,120. So it's relatively low on our list as far as MSRP value. Mm, here's what you get for it. You get uh, – it's got the six-speed manual. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of zoom in this one. It's a 350 horsepower, 2.3 liter, twin turbocharged uh, EcoBoost four cylinder, and all wheel drive. And all wheel drive. Yes, uh, it's zero to sixty is still less than five seconds. Four point six. Um, I think this would surprise a lot of people. Yeah, I do you know? too. I do too. It's kind of a it's a it's a bit of a stealth vehicle, but then again, it's got kind of. Uh, Oh gosh, should I even say that it's stealth? I mean, when you look at it, it, it doesn't look terribly different from, you know, the, uh, the Ford Focus ST. I mean, right. there's a, there's a bit of a difference, but I think that that's only to people who really kind of are in the know. People who that know what they're looking for. I, I think so. I think that, like, um, someone who's not really interested in, in cars at all, like, let's say my wife were to see, you know, the, uh, the Ford Focus RS. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're laughing because I'm using my wife as an example. She, yeah. I, I can do that because I know she doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> I knew I you were going to say yeah, that. I don't, think, I don't think she ever listens to it. All right, so I feel pretty confident in saying she doesn't listen to the show. So if she's, <laughs> I'm going to send her the link, if she, man. If she's looking at you know, um, you know, the RS next to the ST, yeah, I don't think she's going to spot the difference immediately. She might say they're a little different, but right. uh, but but again, I think it's for our audience. Uh, they can probably you know pick it out. They can, yeah, they can yeah, spot yeah. it. Um, it. This is maybe this is a bold statement here at the end of this one. Now the authors of uh, you know this auto blog article say. And and I I agree with this. I really do. It says, time will tell, but this may go down in history as the pinnacle of hot rod hatch, hatchbacks. It's the Renault R5 Turbo and Clio V6 of our generation. Now, do you agree? That's ambitious. It is, but I, I got to say, I agree. It's an incredible car. Yeah, I mean, right now it, it is... Oh wait, I can I can say this. It is the most badass hatchback out. Yeah, it is. It is. That's just being objective as far as like our generation, but I'm not You're not I'm not it. comfortable saying that it's going to be the pinnacle for the next 10 years. Oh, you think it's going to get better? Yeah. 
Okay. You think it's going to Okay, so now let's uh, let's pick at this just a little bit. Right, you think yeah. that you think that Ford is going to continue to to develop this vehicle or do you think that we're going to see better examples from other manufacturers that are going to top this because um you know there's also the Civic Type R. You know the, yeah. hatch, the hatchback that's coming that, uh, that, I mean, that I think a lot of people are looking forward to. I really really no no offense to Ford. I think that I I, I think what's going to happen is that competitors are going to come with something challenging, like the Honda Civics we're talking about, yeah. and then Ford will react accordingly. Uh, but, but I, where I, does I, it end? Like, what's what's going to be the top one? It's this know? constant escalation, man. Yeah, you're right because this is kind of like our our first look at something like this from Ford right. in this in this segment. Uh, something this powerful. This is, I mean, it's a different beast altogether, really. Yeah, agreed. It, it really is. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's a good, solid pick for something that's still going to be cool 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. But I don't, you, I maybe think that you're right. Maybe they're going to up their game a little bit. And that's just kind of the natural progression of things. You know, sure, they, yeah. they add stuff, they take away stuff, they make parts carbon fiber that weren't carbon fiber before. Mm-hmm. It becomes lighter, faster, mm-hmm. better, stronger. Ah, sound familiar? <laughs> yes, and uh, let's play. Let's play a guessing game, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Scott, what? What? How did you just phrase it? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Better, faster, lighter, stronger. <laughs> which which sounds a lot like this uh, Kanye West song that I really enjoyed. But let's see if you can guess what's next on the list. Uh, we'll give you some time to think. Here's a clue. Same thing happened last time. And we'll be back after a word from our sponsor. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. 
because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. And we are back. Have you guessed, based on our semi-bumbling foreshadowing here? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if I should have left that same thing happen last time in there. That might have been given too much away, right? Our, our, our weirdly unfair hints. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's, it's a truck. We're back yes. with a truck. Yes. And it should be no surprise. We're talking about Ford. You know, it's the Ford Raptor, of course, mm-hmm. the 2017 Ford F-150 Raptor. And, uh, of course, this is the second generation of this incredible off-road F-150 pickup that they've put together. Now, this one is 500 pounds lighter than the yeah, first generation. This 500 is, pounds lighter. This is so cool. That is significant. So that is thanks to, of course, you know, the all-aluminum body and bed that the all-new Raptor shares with, you know, the standard F-150 line. Right, right. You know, all of Ford pickup trucks, you know. the uh, So, so. This thing uses, well, what is it, Fox Racing Shocks, which, as they say, are a big deal in the off-road aftermarket. Mm -hmm. Um, Has an adjustable terrain management system with six settings, including street, Baja, mud, and sand. Um, But the big news is the powertrain, right? Yep. Uh, Say adios, vaya con Dios, to the V8. Uh, Now they have a twin-turbocharged 3.5-liter EcoBoost V6. It's 450 horsepower. Unfortunately. 10-speed automatic transmission. Yeah. Tut, yeah. tut. But you know what? Here we are again. This this is how they saved uh, weight, right? Yeah, yeah. You're, okay, so you're they saved weight right. by going from the V8 into you know to the V6. And, of course, they're pushing the EcoBoost thing mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of their product line, if not all of their product line. And now. the engine's all aluminum as well. Yeah, and that does it as well. So, you know, there's you have to give and take, I guess. I wish they could have stuck with the manual transmission in this one, um, but they didn't. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's strange to think of this of this vehicle in particular not having a V8 that it has V6. I don't. I mean, right? Because so, well, I feel so the same much way. of the F150 is is rooted in that V8 history. Yeah, I know. I, I guess it keeps the MSRP a little bit lower on it as well. Yeah. Uh, so the MSRP is right around forty nine thousand dollars, a little bit less, a few dollars less. Um, but again, it's strange to think of it of, of the Raptor not having a V8. Um, but that's kind of I'm, I'm kind of feel the same way about a lot of the Mustangs as well too. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. And, and speaking of Mustangs, yes. Speaking of Mustangs, next up we have the 2017 Ford Shelby GT350. Mm-hmm. Now, if you miss V8s, Scott, this this one will hopefully soften the blow a little. <laughs> okay, that's good. Because we're talking about an all-aluminum, again, 5.2-liter V8 with a flat-plane crank uh, that's pushing 526 horsepower. Yep. With a six-speed manual transmission, thank goodness, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, okay, in this case. But here's what it's really got going for it is that this is a Shelby vehicle. And Shelby vehicles are always going to be coveted, so they know that they throw the Shelby name on this. And, of course, it's a a stand-up product. Uh, but it is going to be, again, it's going to be sought after 10 years from now. And there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> MSRP? Yeah, dude, yeah, what's the MSRP? MSRP is right around $55,000. The reason I'm laughing is this is probably one of my favorite sentences in this article. Actually, no, you know what? I stand behind it. My favorite sentence in this entire article, which is very well written, is 
referring to the Ford Shelby GT350, the author says, it goes like stink, looks like sex, and sounds like a superbike. Eternally cool. Yep. Yep. I, I agree with all those. <laughs> you agree with all All of those. Yeah. Everyone it goes of, like stink? I think it does. <laughs> I think it does. I know it's a, it's a colloquial saying, but, uh, but yeah, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know what? It's a great car. Let's I think it's an that. instant classic. Yeah. I, I do too. I do so too. So what do you think about the next one? 2017 Jaguar F-Type S. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm a fan of the F-Type, but again, I like the coupe over the, uh, over the convertible. And I think yeah. this is, this is one of those rare instances where, they released, uh, and I, I know that the coupe's been around for a while. I understand that, you know, the the F Type. Um, but you remember when they released the F Type initially? It was a couple of years ago now, I think. They did something unusual at Jaguar. They released the convertible version first of this vehicle, and usually it's the opposite way around. They'll throw yeah. the convertible out there second. Um, so what they're saying about this one is this is the uh, the BMW Z3 Coupe of the modern era, and I can kind of see that maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really expensive. I don't I don't th- I think that the uh, the Z3 Coupe was a little bit less money than this, but then again, I'm, I haven't done the inflation calculator versus what that was released at, what this is. But the MSRP, MSRP on this one's kind of high, sixty-one thousand four hundred dollars. But what you get for that is a um, is a three hundred eighty horsepower supercharged three liter V6, and all, all-wheel drive is available, of course. Um, but the authors suggest that you don't get the all-wheel drive system, and the reason is that if you choose the all-wheel drive, Jaguar forces you into the eight-speed automatic. Oh, there you go, lesson learned. Lesson learned. All right, so stick with the the rear wheel drive version, and then you get a choice of transmissions. You can either have the automatic, if, if you still want to do the automatic, or you can get a six <laughs> speed manual transmission. And zero to sixty is about five seconds in this vehicle. And you know what? This car looks good. There's there's one in our parking structure. I see yeah. it occasionally. It parks on the same floor as I do, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's kind of a, a rare sighting. You know, maybe two three times a week at the most. You park. You park on the most isolated floor possible. You park on the top floor of the parking deck. Get this, guys, because he doesn't want anyone to run into his car. Yeah, I don't want the door dings. I want I want anybody to run into. It. I I want the least amount of traffic near my car <laughs> right. while I'm away from it as possible. That's why. Well, and that's a lesson learned, by the way, because in our other building, mm-hmm. uh, we had a, a parking structure, and a lot of people can picture this, that had sloping floors. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you park on the side of the ramps as you go up. That's not the case in this one. They're all flat spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's all those columns that we talk about a few, we've talked about many times. Too many times. Uh, right. but the other, the other garage, it's the, you know, the sloping floor you park on an angle thing. Right. And people just tended to let their doors kind of wing open into the car and right pop, next to them. Yeah. And, uh, and it was terrible. I mean, I ended up with so many door dings on my cars. That even there, I tried to find, you know, there it was you park below ground. So I was going as deep as possible and parking down there. And it worked. You know, there weren't many people down there. And then here, it's the opposite. We park on the side of the building. You have to climb up. And so I go to the very top. And I know we used to bust your chops about it. But uh, especially after this parking deck, I used to think you were kind of paranoid. Um, But after uh, hanging out in this parking deck, I completely agree. Well, you know, the thing is, we've talked about these columns that are, what, every... It every feels like, two spaces. It feels like they're every 12 feet or so. Mm-hmm. Every 12 feet in, throughout the whole building. And uh, so you have to park in that in that uh, that concrete jungle, really. It, it is like a jungle. <laughs> it is it's like, concrete jungle. It, it's a concrete jungle. It's an appropriate use of that term. And so when you're, you're kind of navigating around these things, even in like a, a regular sedan like I have, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people are getting... 
you know, scraped rear quarter panels in these, you know, lots of, I mean, oh, yeah. a high percentage of people. And I think once that happens, then they start to care less and less about the appearance of their vehicle. They've broken the seal almost. It, it's kind of like that. It's like, well, this thing's a pile of crap anyways, but who cares about the body work? And, uh, you know, they don't care if they get a door ding or if they, you know, uh, give somebody else a, a Which door makes ding. them dangerous. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's just the, the gut feeling that I get. So I try to stay isolated up there on, uh, on the seventh floor. Yeah. And, you know, um, the VW handles pretty well with that. Like, I, there are a couple cars out here, a couple vehicles that we routinely see in the, in the parking lot, uh, that just mystify me. Like, why would you take this, this enormous thing into, you know, into the heart of this concrete jungle? You yeah. Know what I mean? Oh, yeah. They're so long. Like some of these pickup trucks, when they park yeah. uh, the bed, they got it, the crew cab and everything. Yeah, the crew cab and the long bed. And, you know, it extends out into the uh, the lane of traffic. Well, you've seen that probably in any parking lot anywhere in America, really, or, yeah. or anywhere in the world, as a matter of fact. But um, uh, anyway, speaking so of. Yeah. Speaking of. Uh, let's see. We're, we're getting we're, we're getting through this. We're getting toward the end here. Yeah. Let's uh, let's pick it up a little bit. Okay, How about that? For the last the three. And then I got my own picks. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get to your picks. So. 2017 Land Rover Evoke convertible. Yeah, Evoke. Evoke. I saw you pause there, so maybe uh, yeah, Evoke is the right pronunciation on that one. And this one, I, I'm not on board with this at all. No, I, I do not like no. this one. And the reason, and I thought, well, man, this reminds me of something, and I couldn't figure out what it was until I got, until I got to the very first line of this uh, of this <laughs> summary, and yeah. it says. After the Nissan Murano lost its roof and its dignity, <laughs> which I completely understand, that that Nissan Murano that was a uh, convertible, it's an SUV convertible. And if you haven't yeah. seen one, yeah, yeah. do a quick Google search and, and look that up. But to me, that was one of the ugliest cars ever produced. It's awful looking. It kind of it's in the same ballpark as the PT Cruiser convertible. They they have such a, a dramatically different look from the coupe model that I was talking about. Yeah. That it, that it really wrecked the whole line of the whole thing. Um, but this is another SUV convertible, and they're claiming that this is like the cool version of that. Why? Well, you know, maybe because it has that Land Rover mystique to it, I guess. They say that, you know, the Defender 90, uh, you know, that was a cool vehicle. That's an all right vehicle. I'm not a huge Land Rover fan to begin with, but I think it's an all right, all right thing. I like, um, I, I like Rovers. I like Rovers... Uh, you like Range Rovers or Land Rovers? I kind of, I'm kind of a Range Rover fan versus Land Rover fan. I like them both, but you know what? I I like them both, and I also like convertibles. But I don't like them mixing. And the point of an SUV is not to be like a low slung, sexy sports performance, like high performance convertible. Yeah, I guess. But they point out here at the end that they say that you know a lot of people are going to use these for maybe like surf vehicles, you know, like down on the, down in Malibu or something. Where you know it's still I know it's a high dollar vehicle. It's still mm. got a, an MSRP of fifty one thousand four hundred seventy dollars. Yeah. So they're saying like you know maybe if you're uh, living down in Malibu and you want to carry your surfboards, this might be kind of like a cool beach vehicle. And um, I get that. That's a fair point. But it but it also would kind of work in Michigan. You know, like if you're in the Upper Peninsula, in the summertime it gets nice. You know, it's nice there. But yeah. In the wintertime it's kind of harsh. It's it's still got, you know, the capability of a Land Rover vehicle. So, so I kind of get that. But for me, I, I'm just not biting on this one. I don't think this is a good idea. I think it's ugly, man. Well, that's my opinion. And, you know, like I'm sure that other people have differing opinions. So maybe they should write in and you know, we can hear about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, let us now, know. next on the list is the uh, the most expensive vehicle on the list. Finally. Oh, yeah. Finally, right? Yeah, the 2017 Porsche 911. Yeah. $89,400. This one's, uh, you know, 
just about up to the top end of our of our limit. Um, but okay, how can you argue against this though? The 911 is always cool. It always has been. Always will I, be. I think it always will be. As they point out, you know, there was kind of that. Uh, oh, what they call it? They call it a, a mulligan generation, the 996. <laughs> I don't know if I. Maybe I agree. I don't know. I have to see side by side comparison. Mulligan, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. They say that the uh, the 2017 model is a master stroke, master stroke of style, mm-hmm. luxury, performance, mm-hmm. and daily driving awesomeness. Now, I kind of get that because I see a lot of these around town. I think that has to do with Porsche headquarters right. being right here in Atlanta. Um, but they say that the base rear-wheel drive 911 Carrero packs 370 horsepower and, has, of course, has three pedals. It's a manual transmission. Um, zero to 60 in just 4.4 seconds. And they recommend you get the coupe version, which I like. So yeah. we're kind of agreeing on this whole thing here, aren't we? It's mm-hmm. kind of nice. It is. I think, I think this is spot on. Like, yes, in terms of MSRP, you are paying the Porsche price tax. That's just how it's going to well, be. Well, yeah, but you're getting you're getting a fantastic vehicle, one that has a long heritage, one mm-hmm. that has, you know, proven itself. You know, again, as they say, this is one you can, you know, drive daily. It's not necessarily a track car. They have mm-hmm. versions that are basically track cars that you can still drive on the road, but they're not as um Let's just say that they're a little bit more temperamental than your uh, your your standard 911, if you can call it a standard 911. Right, right, right. If such a thing would exist. Yeah, yeah. But the price tag also, you know, goes up by you know four or five times what you're paying right here for this one. For sure. That so, that is definitely true. At, at least twice as much. And uh, speaking of doubling up, we are at the end of the list here. Before we get to your pick, Scott. All right. Uh, we have the 2017 Subaru BRZ and the Toyota 86. Yeah. Now, the Toyota 86, if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, that is formerly the car that was formerly known as the FRS. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, so the 86, where that comes from, that's kind of a nod to a vehicle that was built by Toyota back in 19, the, the mid-1980s, from 1983 to about 1987. It was the AE86 Corolla. Yeah. And this is kind of a legendary Toyota that has kind of a, a cult following among you know, Japanese car fans, and or really, actually, all car fans, really. It's kind of a cool vehicle. It doesn't look like a whole lot when you see it, but you have to understand that it was a good daily driver, but it also had um, the ability to really, like, really could handle well. It, it handled the curves. Yeah. Um, you could drift this thing. It had a lot of power. So um, a lot of people really, really like this now. Oh, and one quick note here. Hmm. Corolla, by the way, turns 50 this year. This is the, again, same as the Camaro. The Corolla has been around as long as the Camaro, since 1967. I didn't even think about that, but by golly, you're right. Yeah, so uh, this one, this vehicle, so that's a kind of a long description of why we're calling it the Toyota 86 at yeah, this point. Yeah, so, years. And again, this is this has a, a twin vehicle, maybe, mm-hmm. if you want to put it that way. The Subaru BRZ and the Toyota 86, they're kind of... Um, well, they're the most, well, they're the least expensive mm-hmm. vehicles on the list. And, um, as this author puts it, they might also possibly be the most fun vehicles on the list. Yeah, for about, uh, for about $25,000, still less than $30,000, which harkens back to our earlier podcast, which you can check out on carstuffshow.com, by the way. Nice, uh, nice. Nice, you're right. Uh, nice shameless plug. But yeah, yeah, it's inexpensive. $25,000 thousand dollars around there uh you can get a car that is insanely fun to drive yeah 
205 horsepower. Of course, there's a, a Subaru designed and built two liter horizontally opposed four cylinder engine that's, uh, that's under the hood. And, uh, of course, the six speed manual is standard, which is really a, a really nice touch. You can get, <laughs> I like the way they say this. There is an automatic transmission that's available for people with no soul. Yes. <laughs> so, Boy, if, that's really coming down on him there. I wasn't, you, I wasn't that harsh. If you don't appear in mirrors, if your <laughs> breath does not fog glass, <laughs> and if automatic doors don't open for you, then get the automatic version. But I think everybody's seen these on the road by now. I mean, they're, yeah. they're all over the place. They're a great vehicle. They really are cool looking. And uh, <laughs> as they say, it's, it's a special car that you can just buy and, and as they say, bang on it for tw- you know under $30,000. I'll give you a, a little tip here. The Subaru BRZ... Uh, the MSRP is about a thousand dollars less than the Toyota FR. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, not FRS. It's now the Toyota 86. Yeah, yeah. So about a thousand dollars less. Now I know when you start adding options and you know mm-hmm. the, the fun stuff, I guess that's where it, it gets a little bit more. Um, uh, they're closer in price, really. Oh, so, well. Anyways, that's that's the last two on the list. Ah, Scott, I owe you an apology. What's that? I hope we can still be friends after you learn this. Well, I we'll said see. we'll I, see. <laughs> It's fair. Yeah. Uh, I said I said this was uh I said they were the last on our list. I was incorrect. There's one more we have to add before we get to your picks. Okay. And, fair enough. Uh hopefully I am redeeming myself, listeners out there who are thinking, Ah, oh, Ben, you villain, why did you why did you skip this? You shortchanged us. Why did you shortchange us on the twenty seventeen Toyota Forerunner T R D Pro? So you know, Forerunner, we're all familiar with it. It's one of the other SUVs on the list here. The TRD Pro package is the crucial part of this, right, and why it's on the list. Because it adds a larger 4.0 liter V6, so it gets the 270 horsepower. It has what they call crawl control. Uh, it's got an extra inch of ride height because they have taller springs. Um, and the shocks add their coilover shocks by Bilstein. They add a uh, capability along with an aluminum front skid plate. They've got the traction control system that is supposed to be multi-terrain, um, similar to some stuff we see in the uh, Raptor, right? Yeah. Uh, the multi-terrain stuff in the Raptor. Oh, and the uh, and ZR2. And right? the ZR2, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the idea is that, you know, it's built as an off-road vehicle. I could see this. They don't mention the, um, they, they don't mention any convertible stuff, which no. makes me happy. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's great for them. Uh, but I, you know, I question, I question this one, whether it's going to be a classic in 2027. It's a forerunner, right? Yeah. Uh, it seems like forerunners are, and I don't know the MSRP on the forerunner, but, mm-hmm. uh, but it seems like forerunners have, uh, have always been kind of a, uh, I don't know, I don't even want to say like a cult favorite, but it just seems like a lot of people really enjoy them. It's not. They have really ardent fans. Yeah, they, they do. People that own forerunners swear by them and would never get a different type of SUV. Um, but, uh, but, but they're I, dependable. I, yeah. Yeah. Personally, I just don't see the dramatic difference between a forerunner and something else in that segment. Uh, yeah, the MSRP is a little under forty five thousand. Okay, so they're still they're still kind of expensive. No. Uh, it's middle range, I guess, on our uh, you know our hundred k you know limit. Um, yes. but but yeah, I, I can kind of see this uh, being that you know the forerunner right now is something that people still seek. You know, it's been around for a long time that that model line. So uh, yeah, maybe maybe in ten years it still will be cool. Well, we'll have to check back in 
uh, 10 years from now. <laughs> That's crazy <laughs> to think about. What are your picks? Oh, my picks. Yes. My, my individual picks. So, yes, yeah. yes. All right. I'll go through these kind of quick because I know we, we've had a long podcast already, right? So let me just throw a few out there and maybe I'll throw a pepper in a few little facts of why I think maybe that, uh, that they'll be classics or not classics, but desirable 10 years from now. Oh, and we have to remember to uh, cook up a nickname for Dylan. Oh, that's right. How about, uh, oh, no, we'll, 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 we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get we'll, there. We'll get there. Okay, I'll try. All right, so my first pick uh, would be, and this is this is hard to believe, hmm. this is the 10th generation of this vehicle, but I think it's going to be a strong one. The 2017 Lincoln Continental. I think people are going to seek that one out 10 years from now. Hmm. In much the same way that people seek out, you know, like the great big Audis, you know, from 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, um, I don't remember how many years ago this was now, but like the uh, the VW Phaeton. You know, the great big luxury vehicles that, uh, the extreme luxury vehicles that are now affordable 10 years later. I think people are going to want that. So I feel like that's one that people are going to end up searching, you know, you know, eBay or Craigslist, you know, midnight, 2 a.m., whenever it is. <laughs> right. um, the price, this is surprising. They start right around $44,000. So I thought it was going to be much higher than that. Looking at the concept vehicle that they that they released in 2015, yeah, man, that thing is slick looking. I, I really like the concept vehicle. That's really surprising that the, the price point would be that low. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, because we're talking about a, a luxury. This thing, just to, here's a, a good example. Okay, You can get... Now, I think this maybe is not the $44,000, but you can get one with a 400-horsepower twin-turbo V6, so pretty strong. Mm-hmm. It has things like 30-way adjustable power seats, 30-way adjustable. Can you believe that? So you're talking about a vehicle and that, that has extreme luxury features built into yeah, it. Yeah. For that that type of price, I think this is one that people are later going to look back and say, yeah, I think I, I would like to get something like that because it's got everything I want. For a relatively low price, ten again, ten years from now, what's it going to be valued at? I'm just baffled because I know a little bit about these vehicles. I follow I follow Lincoln and the thirty <laughs> thirty way adjustable thing cracks me up. <laughs> it now, w- was one of the engineers like we have twenty eight levels of adjustment for for the driver's seat and then someone else said what are we peasants yeah the ghost of henry ford came back and said add two more i'll <laughs> fire your ass <laughs> he did okay yeah what's next oh that was a little strong maybe i shouldn't have said that <laughs> oh we'll, we'll beep it <laughs> yeah yeah sure you will all right right i'm sure <laughs> oh you know one one last quick thing on that one yeah i think one thing that would have made that car so much cooler the 2017 again this is coming out the 2017 lincoln uh, continental if they had included the the suicide doors like they did on the mm-hmm. fourth gen cars mm-hmm. back in the 1960s, that would yeah. have been. They had two concept vehicles, and on one of the concepts, they did have those suicide doors. That was back in 2002, and that's a different vehicle completely. It has more of the classic lines, and they did include those doors. But in the 2015 concept vehicle, they did not include them, and of course, they're not on the uh, on the production vehicle. All right, so going <laughs> going on. Here's my next pick. Yes, the 2017 Lotus Evora. Now this one is a is again this is going to be the probably the most expensive one on the list ninety one thousand dollars but it does come in under our one hundred k top you know our cap mm-hmm. um, first of all it's a Lotus I think that's always going to be desirable um, it looks amazing on the road it's you know got this bonded aluminum chassis a mid engine layout four hundred horsepower it's a three point five liter V six I just I feel like um, you know, a car that goes 0 to 60 in 4.3 seconds and, and looks like this and it is a Lotus and has all this going for it, I feel like that's one that people are going to want 10 years from now, 20 years from now even. So that one seems to be a shoe-in on the list. And, again, it comes in just under what we uh, what we set as our limit. 
And then the last one, this is kind of surprising maybe, Dodge Viper. You can still get a Dodge Viper in 2017, mm-hmm. but I think it's the last year. However, um, the starting price on the Dodge Viper is ninety thousand dollars. So it's right. So it's right around the Lotus Evora price, ninety thousand. I know it's expensive, but again, I'm still playing within the rules, right? Yeah, under barely. the hundred K, barely. Yeah, that's right. And this is not the ACR track car or anything like that. You know, the the really cool version. Right. This, this is, is, but you're still getting an eight point four liter V ten. 645 horsepower car. Yes. It's a it's a huge, just a monster car. Zero to 60 is in 3.4 seconds, which is hard to believe when you look at the size of a Viper in person. Right. A, a giant vehicle, but... Um, and the weight, even. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's just, again, I know that's pushing the boundaries of our, of our limits here, but I think in 10 years, people are still going to want Vipers. I'm actually tempted to agree with that. Um, I think the Grand Sport and the Viper mm-hmm. are probably... Well, again, it's just my opinion, but I think those are the most solid picks. Yeah. That convertible Land Rover, get out of town. That's <laughs> what so we agree on. <laughs> so well, well, so you that's, know, a great, that's a great one, man. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. it. You're right. It's a monstrous vehicle, but yeah, I, I respect that. You slid in just just under the price point, so you, you're obeying the rules. Pushing the pushing the parameters, but uh, but it worked. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that there, you know, there's others out there. There's got to be, and of course, it's all again, it's all everybody's opinion. So uh, we would love to hear from our listeners. No, yes. you know what? Before we, you know, kind of sign this one off, before uh-huh. we wrap up, we have to get to uh, to Dylan's nickname. Yes, good call. Um, Dylan the Viper Fagan. How about Dylan 10 years on Fagan? <laughs> 10 years on? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a long, that's a long nickname. 10 years on. Um, how about Dylan the Decade Fagan? No, that's not bad. Yeah, but that's a weird one because people would be like, why did they call you the Decade? Yeah, I guess that's a What are you, 10? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would have to be the Decade, right? Uh, yes. Like yeah. the situation. Yeah, right. The decade. Uh, and for Noel, we could do Noel Turbocharge Brown. Hmm. No? I don't know. Noel All Aluminum Brown? That's kind of, these are all kind of generic. We need to get something specific to the 10 year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. Time zone. Noel 100K Brown. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I don't, no, I don't know. These are kind of weak. I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe our listeners will have something better. Some, a better suggestion. They have to have something better than that. That's true. Uh, it is the secret is out. The badger is out of the bag. Uh, the gas is out of the tank on this one, folks. Uh, <laughs> it, what is it? If, if that's not your bag of carrots, if that's not your bag of carrots, uh, you are uh, you are much better than we are at coming up with nicknames for our super producers, and even even for us, uh, the best nicknames come from you, as do the best topic suggestions. If you want to check out some of the other podcasts that we have done. Pertaining to this sort of topic, uh, you can find every single audio show on our website, carstuffshow.com, for everybody's favorite magic number, free. And please do write in with your suggestions because, uh, you know, I, I'm really intrigued by what people think is going to be something that's desirable 10 years from now. So, really, my money is on the Viper, man. But I think that was the best one. you got to remember the rules. It's got to be a 2017 model year mm-hmm. under $100,000. So those, those, those are the only two rules. Right in with whatever you like, and if they haven't been on, you know, the the, uh, the auto blog list or you know the three that I picked, yeah. um, you know, maybe we'll read them on the air. And we will be back next week. Uh, in the meantime, if you would like to check out more uh, news on everything that floats, flies, swims, or drives, visit us on Twitter and Facebook, where we are Car Stuff 
HSW, according to the Twitter sphere, Scott, we can even help people out with trivia. We talked about this off air briefly, uh, but we do want to thank Alex, who wrote in on Twitter and said, big thank you to Car Stuff HSW for helping me with trivia last weekend. In 1972, the VW Beetle outran the Model T. Alex says, so shocked that I recalled that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we're helping people. It's just like, th- that's it, Ben. We're helping people one person at a time. <laughs> one trivia question one tri- at a time. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, we are heading out. Thank you so much for listening. We do want to hear your opinions, again, on cars that will be classics and twen- that c- will still be cool. If not classics, still be cool. Ten years from now, this model year, 2017, under 100 large. And uh, any future suggestions you have, we would like to hear from them. You, if social media is not your thing, if you think it's all a big fad and a hullabaloo, we totally get it. You can write to us directly. We are car stuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.